Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner. Jen and Andre, did you get along to Hyperlinks over the weekend? The opening night film traumatised me, Demon Mama. I know you just dashed off. We were ready to have a bit of a kiki, bit of a debrief with you afterwards, but you'll know where to be seen. I had to go and sit in the back of my car and drink uh, a beer and and literally smoke a cigarette just to calm down from that. That was so triggering. Has anyone seen Demon Lover who's listening? It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It it, is a lot. It definitely will make you cry. Big time. But then I, I did write down my favourite quote for you, uh, Jen, I think you'll, and Ange, I think you'll appreciate <laughs> this. Um, because I, I listened back to your interview with Connor before Hyperlinks took place. This, By the way, this is a film festival that happened at Pink Flamingos over the weekend. A lot of fun and incredible to see people putting on these local film festivals. And also people turning out. Yeah. So I listened back to your interview about Demon Lover after I watched the movie. Because, you know, you see something so traumatic, you need to get context of what other people uh, have said about it. And I I saw that you liked the shopping scene in it. That was your favourite. My favourite scene is definitely the shopping scene. (laughs) This is a film about, like, international porn networks that exploit women and use animation and there's hentai and it's like very very like it's made in 2002 after 9-11 so it's this kind of global terror network it would have been so cutting edge at the time and it was to this day like full-on but very traumatic anyway my favorite quote from uh who's the actress who's also in portlandia the blonde one from demon lover Chloe Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny. Yeah, she's yeah. in Portlandia. Wait, who's she in Portlandia? She's she's like always plays like reoccurring characters. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, my favourite quote, I wrote this down. I like the heel and the shape, but what about all the zippers? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just like that's her top. my take from the whole <laughs> that's movie. That's my take. <laughs> I just like her top that says I heart gossip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Judy Gershon's top. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I went from traumatised to a little bit bored in Zeros in One and then found my new favourite film in Job's World. Can you tell us about Job's World? It is so funny. It's like Napoleon Dynamite. Like, it's not like slapstick gags, but more just that really kind of deadpan delivery that rings really true on some, uh, I don't know, some level within people who are anxious or like, I don't know, just lost in the world. Oh, sounds like my kind of film. It was really good. Let's crack into movie news. Movie news. Okay, so I was having a casual conversation with someone and I went to use like the blue, uh, the red pill reference, like, oh, you know, you know, take the, take the blue pill, take the red pill, but I can never remember which one is which. And then I realised, I don't think I've seen many slash any of the Matrix movies. Mm-hmm. Well, to answer your question, all you have to do is look at <laughs> one of the Maroon 5 albums because they actually named it after red pilling and there was all this backlash about it because... It's a controversial term. Red peeling is the naughty one about. But, but which is the one where you open your eyes to the truth? It's kind of that, but it's kind of alt right. Yeah, so but red... it's used as alt right. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. But <laughs> within that context, let's talk about Matrix Four, which has been confirmed for a while. Everyone's getting excited about it because all the origins are coming back. Keanu, Carrie, the original directors are coming back, and there's just been some BTS footage of them shooting. Now we all know the like the shtick of the Matrix is a lot of like slow mo jumping, you know, running up walls and leather jackets, leather jackets, metaphors about the illusion of gender, like poor, like freeze frame, like jumping, kicking. So when you think about seeing that in behind the scenes, 
you basically you can see this happening in real life because in downtown San Fran there have been people who have been snapping shots of Keanu and Carrie like being hoisted up buildings and being like slowly like lifted as they like pretend to deliver a kick. It's like all like faux slow motion but in real life and there are crowds of people watching being like yeah. I am furious they're not shooting this in Sydney. I don't know what has happened with the tax breaks from this government, why they have decided not to shoot here. They shot the original three here. It's going to be a totally different vibe. You'd also think that San Fran is an inconvenient place to shoot anything. I mean, it's a busy Can we get harbor. to change.org and rally Lana Yeah, to let's get that petition mind. going. Let's get that petition going. Um, so- yeah, Sorry. so Keanu's back on the scene. He's also in that Bill and Ted remake. Oh, yeah, everyone's loving that. So <laughs> <laughs> He's always busy. He's I'm impressed. Very busy. <laughs> impressed. Um, uh, did we want to talk about where we're at with the, the Weinstein trial? Uh, just a little bit, because we're nearing the end of it. Jen, do you want to fill us in? I think we'll have more news next week. Uh, they're deliberating. It seems like it's a 50-50 split on the final most serious charges, so I think we'll come back to that next week. Yeah. Um, but in uh, more exciting news, yeah. Tilda Swinton is... Uh, not stopping. She's having a bit of a Nicole Kidman moment. Now, which she... one of you always claims to be related to t- Andre Tiles? legitimately is Tilda Swinton's cousin. <laughs> I was about to say, we need to call her Auntie Tilda because that <laughs> is her name. She's actually coming to Australia to discover her Australian roots. Her mother was Australian and also, like, Andre's mum's like, cousin or something. My mother's so... mother's... Auntie. Anyway, you're not allowed to talk about this. I can't. It's, so it's confidential. Weird. Anyway, she's never she's never come to Australia and like discovered it, but she's coming here to shoot a film with George Miller, the Mad Max director, called Three Thousand Years of Longing. But mm. George Miller has also just confirmed that he's going to be shooting Mad Max: The Wasteland later in the year. So we're wondering if Three Thousand Years of Longing is just some kind of like working title until there's actually going to be the star of the next Mad Max movie with Idris Elba. Not sure. Okay. We'll keep you posted on that. She's also going to shoot a film with Pedro Almodovar, who's the Spanish director who was nominated for Pain and Glory this year. Queer. It's going to be set on um, Jean Cocteau's play, which is the ultimate old gay Tumblr icon. Mm, literally imagining Tilda just listening to Rosalia on her iPod. It's called, she still has one. It's his first English language film and it's called The Human Voice. Honestly, um, but and I. most excitingly and most relevantly to Trump, who was so angry that Parasite won Best Academy like the Academy Award yeah. for Best Picture. The because Best Academy Award. The Best Academy Award, <laughs> as in the one for Best Picture. Furious, furious at his rallies this week about that. Uh, thank God there's going to be an English language remake so that Trump can watch it so he doesn't have to read. <laughs> and um, and Tilda's set to play the mum. Yeah. You'll like this, Braddy. It's being co-produced by Adam McKay, who is famous for all the schlocky Telegator Knights movies uh, from the like Step Brothers universe and Anchorman, all but those movies. Been more serious Wait, so he's the, the, the person from Talladega Nights is going to produce the new Parasite HBO TV series. Okay, so here's the thing, Brad. I get confused about who produces and directs the, the Me too. Adam I McKay don't directed these following films: <laughs> Step Brothers, Anchorman, Anchorman. He didn't do Talladega Nights. No, did he? he? I don't I know. I think he did. But he also did The Big Short, which is famously Bernie Sanders' favorite movie. Step of the Brothers. Last 10 years. He made Step Brothers. So the director of Step Brothers is doing Parasite. Okay, we're going over time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to a track from The Chemical Brothers. This is Taste of Honey, and keep your texts coming in about which movie makes you cry, even though you know exactly what's coming, because you could be walking away with a double pass to Honeyland, which we'll be reviewing up next.
This is Movies, Movies, Movies on FBI 94.5. One. One. No, no, no. Two reviews. Two reviews. Give me more reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Now, we've been talking about this stunning documentary... Um, Honeyland. I'm so excited to talk about it more. Yeah, and uh, just FYI, that's why we just played you Taste of Honey by the Chemical Brothers. We've got a little bit of the trailer here. Now, it's a non-English film, but this might give you an idea of what the movie sounds like, at least. So I'm just reading the subtitles there. She says, we only take half, half for them, half for us, referring to the honey of the bees. Uh, it, it does echo sort of what the song Taste of Honey evokes, this idea of like, you know, the mystery of like liquids and honey being the spiritual centre of things and how it's binding a sticking agent. Anyway... Uh, let's just get into Honeyland, you guys. So we've all heard the hype about Honeyland. And let me just say with this film, it is exactly what everyone is saying. Two-time Oscar nominee, first Macedonian film to get Best Doc and Best International Feature noms. And what is most exciting about this already stunning documentary, I don't want to give away the plot, I'm just going to give away why it's so important to go see this, is because I really believe... 
that the depiction of chaos theory, which is so prevalent in a lot of male-dominated films and TV shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, made by the same people, but Sopranos, like prestige TV and drama is often male-dominated, and this film follows this traditional beekeeper honeymaker and still packs the punch of all those prestige texts. It is so impactful in just showing dramatic beats that are so simple and real life. And because it's a documentary, you're seeing it twice as hard because it's not just some, you know, made-up story. And what it involves is just watching her carve a space for herself and then having an enemy enter her turf, mess with her business, and then potentially bail, potentially screw her up. It's got this horror undertone of what is this bad luck that's coming towards her. It's also about karma and about love and life and sharing family and sharing business and helping people grow. But to give you context and plot, she is in the middle of Macedonian nowhere, in the hills, in the Stonehenge Manshackle village. Manshackle? Man-made? Ramshackle. Ramshackle Man-made village. (laughs) New word. Making honey. And ultimately, the film ends on this note of karma's going to get you. It does mm. make you the whole time you think her life is so precarious because she's making she's the last wild honey um, grower, I guess, farmer, farmer in wild Europe. honey beekeeper. Wild, wild beekeeper in 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 Macedonia in Europe, and the whole time you think, oh my god, this is such a precarious situation you're in. It's this aging woman who's climbing mountains to like get her honey and mm. then sell it at local markets and she's looking after her 80 plus year old mother with a melting face and then this family come in and just ruin everything and you wonder you know how can she survive how's she going to get through it and then you realize like she's doing this ancient task like she's going to survive there's no there's nothing even in the worst circumstances she knows exactly what she's doing and how actually, she's going to get through it almost sounds like a coen brothers movie to it's be honest. so good it's like a, i'm so jealous she got to like review it but West, you did a beautiful job it's like a huge western Anyway, I just have to let you guys know that there are twists and turns in this film, but it's so worth seeing. It's a hot 86 minutes long, and it's worth celebrating. Please text in. We, I would encourage you to text in to well, go see this film. Yeah, look, we're, we're actually giving away a double pass. We actually have five, y'all, but I'm well, going to snag a few, so you guys better get in hot and quick. Because yeah, you better send some good texts if, if you don't oh, want Ange time. to get all the double passes to Honeyland. We're asking you to send in what movie makes you cry every time you see it, even mm. though you know what's coming. And you must be an FBI supporter, so do include your supporter details and your name in that text. I hate to end on this note, but Better Call Saul is returning today, so it does feel kind of important. Jen is asking me to move on. Okay, well, let's quickly wrap up and review Honeyland in a word. Oh, bulldozer. Swarm. Mm, Mm. Love it. Now, the text line, if you do want to get a double pass, is 0409. 945-945, text in the movie that makes you cry every time. Jen, you're going to be reviewing a movie called For Summer. Hmm. I've heard a little bit about For Summer, and from what I've heard, it's a it's a letter from a mother to her daughter in Syria. Yeah, so it's this woman, Wad Al-Khatib, who finds herself in Aleppo in the university 
um, when the regime turns on the rebels, basically these people who are asking for their freedom and for their rights, and the regime decides to kill them all. Um, and basically it watches as a society turns from, you know, civil living normally to, you know, people who are in university who are having to become doctors and plumbers and watching civilization just crumble when the state decides to turn on its own people. Mm. So what begins is just her documenting her life and making sure that outside publications like the BBC know and like a communication to the outside world becomes something a little deeper where she decides to address it to her daughter that she has during the siege. She also gets married during the siege to a medicine student, Hams Al-Khatib. And like brace yourself for this movie because it's the most horrific imagery you're probably ever going to see. Or not ever, but it's really really traumatic and it shows how people's bodies react to the kind of trauma of watching dead kids around you watching just an unthinkable horror um but it also shows how important it is to turn the camera on abuses of power like wherever you are you're a journalist whoever you are if you see the police beating someone up on the street you know, this week at Mardi Gras, make sure you film it. If you see something, if you're traveling, like wherever you are, make sure that you could be the voice, the journalist could be anyone. And she's ended up being this really, really important voice three years on from what happened in Aleppo and is still fighting for the rebels um, in Syria. And yeah. So so For Summer is a documentary. It's a documentary. It's a letter to her her child, but also a letter to the world from the first-hand experience of what it's been like to be in Syria these last three years, thinking that you're going to die any day. And Summer is actually the word for sky, which she thought was a symbol of hope, but then also became a symbol of death. And she always wanted it to remain a symbol of freedom. I mean, one of the early shots that is so shocking and jarring, because you see sort of imagery from WikiLeaks, you see imagery of warfare, and it's really, really expensive planes and, you know, US mission, like US um, led military intervention or whatever you want to call it. But you see people in just like helicopters dropping bombs out the side, you know, people throwing bombs out the edge just onto random buildings. Like it's so terrifying. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is real filmmaking, I guess. And I hope people go out and support it and watch it and learn a little bit more about what the first hand experience is like in these places. Mm. I heard this clip on the news the other day they were talking about what was happening in Syria and this dad had invented this game to play with his daughter where she has to guess if it's a bomb or a shell that's just gone off. Yeah. And they were laughing about it and I just thought this is the reality of the world we live in. Which is it? why it's great to see a film like this because you realise that people are people um, and sometimes when you see a movie of this fictionalised it might just be so harrowing with actors putting on full drama. But this is real people trying to laugh through situations where there's doctors dealing with, you know, dozens and dozens of dying women, children, men, like, hat, and then they have to laugh after it. They have to sort of, like, come and give each other comfort, which is so intimate and beautiful. The power of movies, hey? The power of cinema. Oh, once upon a time in Hollywood, is this? I'm just joking. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so, True. for summer, what would you give it in a word? How would you review it? Blow One up. word. Blow, Blow up. Blow up. Close up. Hmm. <laughs> This is Movies, Movies, Movies. You just heard two reviews and they will be available to read back. So if you do go and see Honeyland or For Summer this week, you can pull up Instagram as you're walking out of the cinema and then have something interesting to uh, share with your friends. It's what I always do. Uh, <laughs> at movies underscore movies underscore movies underscore on Instagram. Now, up next, we are giving away 
tickets, free tickets for you and a friend to go and see Honeyland. Make sure you're an FBI supporter by giving us a call at 833 or going to fbiradio.com slash support so you can win those. A track now from Arno Faraji. Bass jumping, language warning. What's happening? Sydney Spotlight. Okay, for Sydney Spotlight today, we are having a little dig into all of the uh, different texts we've been getting in. People have been telling us the movie that makes them cry every time and the prize, we have double passes to Honeyland. Now, this movie seems pretty pertinent at the moment with what we've been hearing about bees and and their extinction, basically, around the world. Well, in Kangaroo Island, just losing so many native bees, one of the last sanctuaries on the country for them in the bushfires. So Honeyland is a fabulous documentary to follow up all these pertinent themes. It comes out March 5th. It's pertinent a word? Did I say that right? Pertinent <laughs> is a word, pertinent. for sure. I think March, it's a word. March 5th in cinemas, and if you aren't convinced already, know that it made a beautiful world record this year as a nominee at the Oscars in two categories that had never seen a Macedonian film nominated before. Best international, best documentary. Let's have a look at some of these texts people have been telling us. What film makes them cry? Kelly Katoomba, Edward Scissorhands. They are so mean to him just because he's different. Oh, let's love an outsider. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Oh, poor, uh, Jesse, poor Johnny. Jesse says, terms of endearment. The scene where the daughter is dying of cancer and in pain and her mother screams at the nurses, just give her the effing shot. Damn it, I'm crying right now. <laughs> Thanks for that. I love seeing some a little bit of emotional anger on screen. Lisa says... Tenderness shown by men always makes Lisa cry in a movie. Gets me every time, and I always cry in Steel Magnolias, no matter how hard I try not to. Oh, I did just get a 75-cent DVD of Fried Green Tomatoes. There are a lot of films that feature, like, ensemble cast of, like, five white women on the front cover, and it's called, like, The Book Club Tea Party. For me, that's the hours. <laughs> That'll always make me cry. True. We need to sit down and watch those films. A few other here. Eddie in Alexandria says The Blind Side. Okay. Happy Feet. Happy Feet. Um, oh. George Miller, we were talking about him before. Fabulous. Cienzo, our beloved mega fan, mm. Cienzo. Texas, Paris. Paris, oh. Texas. Paris, Texas. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I famously love that film and Jen hasn't seen it. I know. What's wrong with me? But it's also really, really beautiful. But also I wonder if it's just canon. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I love this one. Jan in Randwick says, Lassie comes home. Oh, <laughs> I love an animal movie. <laughs> that makes someone cry. <laughs> I know. I probably will cry if I ever watch that Togo, that Willem Dafoe movie with the huskies running across the breaking ice oh, in Alaska. Yes, 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 yeah, big budget, big budget. Uh, Bridie, what about you? I want to turn to you, turn the mic to you. Can you think of a film that makes you cry? Rabbit Proof Fence. Oh, before, of course, of course. before anything bad has even happened in that film, I just like, you, I just it's, know what's coming and I'm just. Like, Certainly. I choke up him talking about it. But that and also when you go to Dendi and they play that, that thing. The montage. The, the montage. <laughs> the montage. Yeah, That's I don't nice. know. I, I, it's so stupid as well because it happens so often that I know every little clip that it's going to throw to in that thing, but it's still just... Get, like it just. If you ever need a cry, you know they give you a refund if you leave before the first 30 minutes of the film. So you could just go in, <laughs> watch <laughs> the opening Dendi montage, Is have a true? cry, oh get your God. money's worth and leave. By watching this film legally, you have supported all these jobs. <laughs> um, I definitely know that Juno is a definite cheer-jerker for me. Yeah. Cheer-jerker. cheer-jerker. Uh, Harold and Maud makes me cry every oh. time. So beautiful. The entire soundtrack is all Cat Stevens. Oh. That's from 
Izzy. That's I could cry right now. But we want to we want to shout out to Josephine in Redfern who recommended if these walls could talk too. Said in the fifties. Your husband too. My friend fell off a ladder. We think she had a stroke. <laughs> I love it. So it's it's not it's set in the it's set in what? the 60s, <laughs> then the 70s, and then the 2000s. Oh. It's the hours, Jen. It's the hours. It's it's basically three different eras of what it was like to be a lesbian in America, telling this sort of moving story. Ellen's in one. Michelle Williams and Chloe Sevres is in makes, one. Oh, I was about to say, what? I guess he makes a cameo. Chloe Sevres. Chloe Sev. Look, Josephine in Redfern, we loved your submission so much. You will be getting a double pass to go see Honeyland. And we're going to pick a couple of uh, other people who have texted in couple over, of faves. over the next few songs. So expect a little email from producer Bree and uh, we'll let you know how you can pick up that double pass real soon. Jan and Ange, thanks for another beautiful Movies, Movies, Movies. Toodles. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll catch you next Monday with... Uh, do you know what you're going to cover? It'll be well, post, post Mardi Gras. Post Weinstein too. Po- oh, so that's I guess definitely going to impact when we watch it. Mm. What well, else on next week? <laughs> There's some real, like, after the Oscars happen, all the, like, the wannabe Oscar films come out that would never make the cut. And they're honestly better because they're Ooh. not as, like, sh- preachy. Fantastic. See you next week. See you next week. 10.10 on Monday. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.